Your estate is what you own when you die. But what happens when your estate goes to court? In this episode, our resident death esquire, Tasha Haviken, shares with you what you need to know about probate and estates. This is the Lady Lawyer League podcast, Omaha's leading lady lawyers, empowering women to be legal savvy. Hosted by Susan Ruff and Tracy Hightower-Henny of Hightower Ruff Law. Welcome back to the Lady Lawyer League podcast. Today we are talking about how does probate affect your estate? And today we have Tasha Haviken, our newest partner attorney at Hightower Ref Law, to talk all about probates and estates. And those rhyme. Yes. I didn't realize those of. rhymed. Kind, kind of. of. Probate, probate estate. estate. No, that's a full on rhyme. You think? That's legitimate. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll let you have it. Uh, okay. <laughs> but it is. So, um, all right. So, Tasha in our office does basically strictly estate planning and I don't do any estate planning. So every time I talk with you or hear you talk, I literally am learning things. I love talking about estate planning. You know, when I first went to law school, it wasn't even really something that was on my radar. And then once I got my license and started working um, with an attorney who did estate planning, I was like, wow, this is really fun. And you get to interact with clients and really kind of plan for things rather than I think a lot of times the legal field is more reactive, you know, whereas really with estate planning, you can try to figure things out beforehand. So it's kind of a cool tool. Uh, so divorce wasn't on my radar ever uh, as a practice area or in my life still so far. Right. Uh, neither was owning and operating a law office. So none of that was on my radar. And I feel like things sort of fall into your lap, right? Right. Yeah. Right. I definitely, I always knew I wanted to be a partner somewhere. So, woohoo, congrats! Yay! That was a big check mark on the adult list. <laughs> was that a bucket list item? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was sweet. a pretty big one and it is full, full now. So, what else? What What's one other thing on your bucket list? Um, I really, really want to travel to Europe sometime. Um, I don't specifically know what countries, but definitely somewhere across the anywhere the river the big river oh well that's easy yeah yeah do that. just making the time for it and choosing where and you know all those types of things but a lot of choices yeah my yeah. um i know several people that have been different places and so just trying to narrow down what's the best choice sweet i know I, I could talk all about traveling i know you are you are a traveler so um and don't forget that iceland is in europe some people forget that yes and i love iceland so that could be one of your places. I've heard it's beautiful there. Okay, so tell us what is an estate in all the the realm of the definition. Sure. So an estate is going to be what assets a person owned at the time that they passed away. So typically when someone dies, we look at what did they own, how is it titled, and what is it worth? So when you think about planning, you try to think, okay, if I were to pass away now or in five years or in 10 years or in 50 years, what things can I plan for so that if that happens or when that happens, um, this is, I know in my mind what would the result will be. And so the estate is gonna be anything that you own. Now, whether or not that's distributed through probate or through other means depends a lot on how the specific item is titled. Well, and we talk a lot in our office about how you don't need to have a big estate to have an estate plan. That's true. That was our marketing quip. 
Yes. I think that's a good way to say it. Well, and I, I, I sometimes will say too, like estate planning is for everyone, right? Um, you know, part of estate planning is talking about surrogate decision makers or, um, you know, somebody who can step in and help you if you can't make decisions for yourself. You know, a good example that I think maybe would resonate with a lot of people is if you have a grandparent who maybe develops dementia, right? So then they're in a place where they're still very much alive, but maybe can't make decisions for themselves that are in the best interest. And so then they need a power of attorney to step in. And so by doing those documents, which has nothing to do with how much money you're worth, um, it allows somebody to step in in those moments rather than involving a lawyer to go to court and get a guardianship or something like that. Well, and people think about estate planning in a sense of like, I don't really own very much, so why do I need an estate? And what do you tell those people? Um, Also, I think the same people are like, well, I'll be dead, so I don't need to worry about it. Right, and I mean, to your second question, that's completely 100% true. Yeah, you will be dead if we're talking about your estate and probate. Right, and it really doesn't affect you anymore, right? And so a lot of times in you know, the talks that I give and in the um, articles that I write and when I talk to clients and stuff, a lot of estate planning has to do with you know, helping out your family members. It's, it's less about helping yourself and more about helping your loved ones. So, so if you don't really have much and you don't like your family members, then screw it. Right. Go to Europe. <laughs> right. <laughs> slide into home with three cents to your name, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that in terms of the powers of attorney, which again, really have nothing to do with how much money you have and more about taking care of you as a person, those are some of the most important documents that I tell clients to think about and are not, in my mind, a huge money maker for attorneys. It's not about, it's not about that, it's about putting documents in place that allow somebody to have somebody step in. So for example, my husband's in a car accident and he's in a coma. I can use his power of attorney to start making decisions for him rather than spending time and money in court, getting a judge to issue an order, filing annual reports and all that kind of stuff. That is about helping yourself because you don't want your decision maker worried about going to court instead of worrying about what your doctors are saying. So you and I just were talking about a recent case that you had where um, a spouse was incapacitated, sort of in a coma type situation. Like you just described, if your husband's in a car accident in a coma, you don't automatically just get to be his power of attorney. Correct. And I think a lot of people don't really understand that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I mean, in some respects, frankly, it's more of a practical consideration of how far will the hospital let you go, right? And sometimes if they're like, hey, we need a decision about this right now and you're the spouse, what's the decision? And we think you're the spouse. I don't know, look, right. you're standing here. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, but long-term, if you've got you've got somebody who needs long-term care, somebody who's gonna need decisions made for them on a regular basis, the hospital's not gonna just let somebody, because they have their own legal considerations, right? Because let's say that my husband wakes up and says, well, she's not my pair of attorney, my brother is you know, then they could get in trouble for not following what my husband's right. wishes were. And the hospital's calling their lawyer like, oh shit. Yeah. What, my, we thought that chick was his, his wife. <laughs> my husband actually threatened me when, well, he didn't threaten, but he said, I think maybe I'll make my brother my power of attorney. And I said, I think you need to find a new lawyer then. <laughs> <laughs> a divorce lawyer. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, okay, so 
we estate is all your stuff, right? Um, what is probate then? So probate is a court proceeding that allows you to transfer assets at someone's death. And there's certain statutes that apply as to whether or not you have to have an estate in order to transfer assets. So we define probate assets as an asset that is in one person's name only with no beneficiaries. So if you own a house, for example, in joint tenancy, that's not gonna be in probate. And it also won't be controlled by your will. So that's another common misconception is that, well, my bank account has my son's name on it because he helps me pay bills and there's nothing nefarious going on and that's great. But then my will says everything will be split between my three kids, so it'll be fine. The problem is, is that when mom dies, son on that bank account legally is entitled to the entire balance. Mm -hmm. And he's not legally required to share with his siblings under the will. Right. Because the will doesn't control non-probate assets. The will only controls assets that are in one person's name only with no beneficiaries. So it's you have to be intentional if you are creating an asset jointly with someone else. Like you have to be sure if you die, you want them to have it. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I think a lot of um, sort of misconception too around that, maybe you call it type of long-term, long-care planning um, and adding someone to your bank account just to help you pay bills because that's easier, right? When you go to the bank, like, oh, you, you can sign this check now too. Um, and maybe it's not explained very well to some people. Absolutely, um, and that's again where those powers of attorney come into play. If you are, rather than putting that person on your bank account, have them be your power of attorney. Because the other thing to remember too, in terms of adding people to your house or your bank accounts in a joint titling way, um, you bring with them all of their creditor issues. So let's say you and I are and have a joint bank Who account. Who has the bad credit Me. between you and I? Oh, I okay. Will. I will. In this I, situation. Yes. So you and I have a bank account together and then I go out and I rack up $30,000 in credit card bills. They can come after that account. Yeah. Even if I'm only on your account to help you pay your bills, right? right? So you have to think about kind of those things. The other thing that's always interesting to me, and I think probably from the divorce world, you run into this a little bit too, where it'll be like, a, you know, a girlfriend and a boyfriend or you know two girlfriends or you know two people that aren't married that buy a house and together they, they buy a house together and they're like we love each other and you know we're just gonna have this house together and then they break up because real world happens you know and then it's and or i've had a couple recently where the bank says okay well you you need to be on the deed for whatever reason but the but so both names are on the deed, but only one of them's on the mortgage. And then, you know, always then what happens is the person who is not on the mortgage is the one that ends up not moving out. So yeah. then the per person who's on the mortgage is paying for the other person to just live in there. And they're like, well, my name's on the deed. You can't evict me. I mean, there's, and titling is so important in estate planning. Yeah. So, so important. And a lot of that information, though, really is through an estate plan, right? Yes. Um, and, and part of that idea of planning your estate or doing estate planning with a lawyer. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Google doesn't really... No. And Google's not helpful. And LegalZoom, like, if you don't fill in the boxes right, like, it's not going to be right. <laughs> if you don't check the right boxes. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's going to spit out the wrong forms. Right. 
Right. Because yeah. you file. So, oh, so LegalZoom, you can do your estate plan and your will. Yeah. Oh. Um, but it's like TurboTax. If you hit the wrong button, yeah, you're paying the wrong tax. And then I had a I had a case once where the guy did his will on his own and he tried really hard. But he didn't do it right. He didn't sign it right. So then I still had to do. So when someone dies, if you have to open an estate, you can do an informal or a formal. And there's different rules for each one. I would say the bulk of estates are opened informally, which means you don't have a hearing because you meet certain requirements. Well, because he didn't sign his will right, we had to spend an extra probably $750 in expenses and attorney fees to run a notice and to have a hearing in order to have the court say yes, even though he didn't sign this right, it's still his will. You know, wasted yeah. time and wasted money. So so if someone's going through probate, what's that time frame look like versus if you had done your estate plan correctly and you didn't have to go through probate? So an estate that has to be probated in the state of Nebraska by statute has to be open for five months. Oh, so I didn't even know that. Yeah, so the, let's say that someone passes away and you're the personal representative. The day that we get the estate open and you get your what are called letters of personal representative and it's just a piece of paper that says Tracy's in charge, basically. What if I don't want to be in charge? You can decline to serve. Okay. You don't have to if somebody names There's you. There's not many people I want to be their personal representative. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a fun job, but you can get paid under the statute. You can All get right. money for it. But, okay. Um, so the day the order is entered that appoints you, you cannot file your closing by verified statement for at least five months after that. And it's for creditor protections because, so kind of in a nutshell, 30,000 foot view, we open the estate. As soon as that happens by statute, a creditor notice is triggered. So that means that something runs in the newspaper once a week for three weeks to say, hey, so-and-so died. If they owed you money, you have 60 days to file a claim. So that a creditor is a person who is owed money from someone. Right. So yep. I pass away and I have a $3,000 bill at Nebraska Furniture Mart. They can file a claim in my estate to say, hey, Tasha owed us three grand for a couch or right. whatever. Yeah. So... In the meantime, then you have 90 days, the personal representative, so in this case you, 90 days to file an inventory. And so the inventory is what did the person own at the time they died? She had a couch. I did, a really nice one, but it has a loan on it, I guess, $3,000. You guys 0% interest. Right, that's right. You know, So what, what did she own by herself? What did she own jointly? Because even though joint assets are not probate assets, they are still taxable in the state of Nebraska. So in Nebraska, we have an inheritance tax. There's one of five states that still has one. And we're only one of five? Yes. See, I learn all of this all the time. Yes, one of five states. Is it gonna go away anytime soon? See, they want to. And yeah. So the real estate probate and trust section, which I'm a former president of, we have been pushing to get rid of the real or the inheritance tax. The problem is, is that the counties get so much because it's paid to the county yeah so they get so much money for it i mean i think so and i know the rates have changed and i should have looked that up for today but recently or prior to the the most recent change that will be coming into effect um so spouses don't pay any tax like children parents grandchildren grandparents those types of beneficiaries, they would pay 1% above 40,000, which is not a huge number. But if if you were to benefit nieces and nephews, so like the family members that are out, if you think, you know, parents and children below you and then the people on the outside, 
Those that's are, the family tree here you're doing. Yes, yeah. the family tree, right? It's called <laughs> consanguinity is the fancy oh, word, yeah. which means by blood. Yeah. So siblings, siblings are a 1%, but nieces, nephews, aunts, uncles, they're a tier two beneficiary. So they have a $15,000 exemption, but their tax rate is 13%. Which interestingly, um, you know, when we talked about same-sex marriage, um, probably in season one and two, one of the things is before um, same-sex same-sex couples could get married, if they were a couple and they weren't legally married, their inheritance tax was like seventeen percent. Eighteen. Yeah, because they were a tier three beneficiary, so non-related persons. So if I gave you any of my assets, you would have a ten thousand dollar exemption, and above that, you would pay eighteen percent to the county. So, I mean, I've had I've had estate cases where the inheritance tax bill was over $100,000. And, you know, the counties are like, well, where's that revenue going to come from if you get rid of that inheritance tax? What if your entire estate or the majority of it is going to a charitable organization? Zero tax. Oh, charity. That's good. Yeah, charities don't pay any tax. Okay, that's good to know. I mean, that would make sense because if you're giving a charitable organization a donation during your life. It's right. Okay. Which is so from the planning side of it, then I talk to clients all the time and I say, okay, do you, do you want to make charitable donations? And if you do, do you have qualified assets, meaning pre-tax money, like a 401k or an IRA? If you do give whatever amount or percentage to the, to the charity from the qualified dollars, because that's going to reduce your taxable estate. Also, LegalZoom probably doesn't tell you all of that. No, I doubt it. <laughs> it's probably like, I don't even think it's up. There's no box to check even. There's not a, like a little, you know, the little circles with the question marks that are like, learn more. Oh, I don't yeah. It's probably not even that. <laughs> I don't think. Have you been on LegalZoom to do an estate plan? I have not. I should We do should that. do it. Yes. No, you probably have to pay just to like get there. Probably. Probably. We should do it one time though, just so we can be like, here's all the ways we're better. Yeah. Okay. Tell us how much probate costs. Okay. So good question. Um, in and it's kind of interesting to think about different states do it different ways, right? So I'm I'm licensed in Iowa and Nebraska. Actually, Iowa's estate fees for attorneys are set by statute, and it's a percentage of the value of the estate. And it used to be that attorneys out in kind of western Nebraska would do it that way. Um, in the bigger cities like Omaha, Lincoln, Grand Island, and more and more you're seeing attorneys ch- charge hourly in Nebraska just because it's more competitive. Um, so normally my retainers for an estate case are usually somewhere between 25 and 3,500, and then we bill hourly against that. Um, and then it costs, it just depends on you know, how much different things you have. I mean, within every estate case, you have to do an inheritance tax determination, which is those percentages that we were just talking about. Um, And then it just depends on, are people fighting? Are they not fighting? Is there one beneficiary? Is there 14? You know, because all those people get notice or they have to sign to waive notice. So it's just, it's a lot of paperwork. Is it in probate then that we would have a will contest? Yes. And that is not like, a hot dog eating contest. No. It's like someone's contesting it. Yes. So my most recent... That's one of those words that like is a totally different meaning. Yes. Yeah, I'm just realizing this. Yes. How cool. That's why people who... People talk about how the English language is like the hardest one to learn. Yeah. Because like the same word means like eight But things. you do say it a little differently. A contest or a... Con- contest. Contest, yeah. I contest the will. I yes. ate hot dogs at 
the contest. contest. Yes. Would you ever do a hot dog eating contest? I think I would throw up. Yeah. Um, Where they dip the the bun in the water. Ugh. It's so gross. Like, who wants to eat that? No. The most interesting one I think I ever watched, there's this series on Netflix. So if you're looking for something to watch this weekend, it's uh, um, it's like weird contests that they went and filmed, right? And one of the ones they did was pepper eating contests. Oh, God. And these people are up on this stage and they're literally like drenched in sweat like buckets and they're like eating these ginormous peppers that are like, what is that? What is that scale where they say how hot oh, a something? Spicy scale. There's yeah. the name of it. Yeah. What is and something thermometer? I'm sure. Is it? I feel like for some reason Kelvin. Kel, Kel, I don't Kel, know. That's just a hot pepper s- scale. Hot pepometer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a. It's definitely a thing, but they measure how many numbers it is, and I. I don't even think I could get past the one. But then also think about what it's doing to the inside of your body, too. Nope. Nope. So, (laughs) all right. Before we go to the weird and wild questions from Google. Yeah. um, Everyone always is like, I want to avoid avoid probate. Avoid probate. That's hard to say. Right? Like, that's always the thing that everyone says. So, is that true? I think a lot of people do want to avoid probate because they've, they've heard that it's this horrible place. I mean, I... Whenever I'm talking to people about planning, right, in terms of is this a consideration for you, I tell people, you know, you can do an estate plan that avoids probate and I'm happy to help you. And if that's important to you, let's do it. If it's not important to you, then that's fine too. It's not the end of the world. People go to probate every day, right? Right, because you'll be dead and do you care or do you not care? Exactly, exactly. And so, um, you know, and some of it too, a bigger consideration for me when I'm talking about clients you know, with probate versus non-probate, using trust documents, which is the the chief way to avoid probate, um, you can use those as a way to give some longevity to your plan. And by that, I mean, let's say that you're giving some money to kids, but then you want to hold on to some money for grandkids, maybe, or you want to give money to your kids at certain ages or something like that. You can't do that in an estate because the estate is opened, it's administered, and then it's closed. So the trust allows you to to kind of have more control um, of the money if that's something that's important to you. Yeah, trust. So then you, the trust kind of, because the titling, right, of assets, if the assets are owned by the trust rather than you, you don't own anything at your death, there's nothing to probate. And then no one can steal anything from you. And they can't read about it in the court documents. Oh, yeah. That's the other big thing about probate avoidance is that probate is public. So you can go down and look at any person's estate, how much they were worth. There are nosy bastards. There are. Yes. Well, and that's where people, they and then they send you, I get letters all the time on behalf of my clients. I see that you own a house on this address and do you want to sell it? And, (laughs) you know, and it's like, if I want to sell it, I'll call you. Right. You know, but. But also, no. No. (laughs) All right. Let's go to the um, oh, these are the questions from the top-notch and very weird producers. Yes, I'm Also ready. from Google. All right. How does probate affect your estate? All right, that was the topic. Okay. What happens if my estate planning documents cannot be found? Dun, dun, dun. So that's super interesting. I feel like this is like an escape room question. Yes, yes. So if your documents can't be found, if you have a copy, then you can offer it to court and you would have to do a formal opening, which means you'd have to have a hearing in front of the judge. And a lot of this is just dictated by 
whether people are fighting or not, right? If there's a will contest or not. Right. No, contest. A will. Now, how do you say it correctly? I don't know. It's not a hot date. A will contest. contest. It's a. Contest, but then it's a contesting. Yeah, there we go. Contesting. Whew, this is difficult. Right. Okay. Um, If everybody's in agreement, everybody signs something. And no one's contesting. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Then they can go have a hot dog eating contest. (laughs) Right. After they see the judge and the judge signs the order and says, everything's fine, you can use this will. If somebody's not agreeing, somebody is contesting the will. Not contesting. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, Then you would basically have to prove what the grantor's intent, which grantor is the person who died. And um, it gets significantly more difficult because the statute requires an original signature on a what if What if you can't even find a copy? Then how do we know whatever even existed? If you don't have any sort of document, then it's going to be what's called intestate, which means it's going to be distributed as though there was no will. That sounds like intestines. It's also Latin for something else, I'm sure. All right, next question. Okay. Moving on. Can a greedy or bad executor ruin everything? What is an executor? So the executor or personal representative, kind of the same terms, um, that's the person who administers the estate. So like that's the person that you appoint under your will to collect all the money and distribute it to the beneficiaries. So if it's somebody who's bad, I mean, they are under some court supervision. Normally, normally an estate is going to be unsupervised, which means the court's not going to have any hearings unless somebody requests one. So if you think the executor is stealing money or something like that, then you would file something with a judge and go in front of the judge and say, hey, Tracy's stealing all of this money from the estate. We need an accounting. Tracy already said she didn't want to be the personal oh, representative. Okay. Susan, then. She's not here. <laughs> Make her <Yeah>. the executor. <laughs> all right. Ooh, we have an example. Next. Say a family found a letter in a shoebox in a deceased family's member's closet. How much power does a handwritten document have? Ooh, this is I know a, what this is called. What is it called? A codicil? Nope. Oh, that's like an addition. Yes. Oh, a hieroglyphic or something Close. like that. Holographic. Holographic will. Also, the wordle today, which by the time you listen to this will be long gone, was glyph. And I was like, that's... G-L-Y-P-H? Yeah, and I was like, that is half of a word called yeah. hieroglyph, right? Yeah, I don't know. I like, Did you Google it? What does? What's the definition? I didn't Google it. Oh, I didn't do Wordle today, so now I'm gonna oh, get it in one sorry. try. <laughs> I'm, gonna I'm gonna send I it totally to my mom. Messed it up, but I got lucky because I did Glory, so I had oh that was good. GL and a Y and the Y in the wrong spot. Yeah, uh, and I was like, where the hell does this Y go if it's not at the end? Yeah, and I was like, well, it goes here. Oh, and I already had a. So you probably got it in like three. I did get it in three. Look at you. I've been starting with beach every day. Beach and one that's where fucking you be. day, it's gonna be beach. Because that's how, because that's where you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's a country Usually. song. There's a country song on some beach somewhere. Oh. That song. Anyway. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. So holographic will. So there are specific statutes about this. The entire thing has to be in their ha- own handwriting. So it can't be like typed and then just signed. Oh. Because a regular, like a will that's typed has to be notarized or witnessed. And there's all these rules about it. 
What if it's magazine letters cut out? Ooh, that's like someone died, I think, like in a bad way. That's like serial killer, you mean? Yes. But that's not in their own handwriting, but they kind of crafted it. I don't think that would count. I think. What if they cut out the magazine letters and then wrote over them? Mm, that's a lot of work. I feel like this is a bar exam question. Right. I think. Uh-huh. Um, I think. But that's a good one. You know it. Weird producers, you didn't come up with that one. <laughs> I think the big consideration for the holographic will is authenticity, right? Like they want it to be in the person's handwriting because they want to make sure that it's exact. I actually had a will one time where she wrote it like on a legal pad and it was like 12 pages and then they had kept it in a filing cabinet and she had signed it in like 1987. Did it pass? Did uh, anyone contest it? Nobody contested it. So everybody just agreed that everything was going to go to the grandson but um it was just kind of mind-boggling to me like you know because most of the time i'm like if this is that important like i feel like we should it would be way more mind-boggling if she cut out all the letters from the magazine that would have been weird and i would have felt scared all right let's see last one say a mysterious murder is afoot what do I do if I suspect the executor manipulated my grandma to change her will and then killed her in the library with a candlestick? How could you kill somebody with a candlestick? Well, I suppose it's hard. You'd my advice is write that shit in the envelope and put it in the game. <laughs> right. You won. <laughs> well, you we don't know. Oh, it's still a mysterious murder. We don't know who did it. Okay, so there's two things going on here. Number one, the easier answer is that if you kill somebody, you can't benefit from their death. So typically that means they're going to skip over you. If you're convicted of her murder, you're not going to get anything anyway. The other question is, though, let's say you couldn't prove that the murderer actually murdered grandma. In terms of manipulating somebody's will, so that goes to the whole, this whole idea of estate, estate work is what was the deceased person's intent? And that the whole goal of the law is to, we want to enforce what grandma wanted. So is this will actually what she wanted in her complete sound mind? And when you have somebody who's been manipulated, we call that duress um, or undue influence. The problem is, is that those are historically extremely hard to prove. Because she's dead. Well, that, right, your key witness is no longer alive. And so then you're bringing in all these people who maybe were disinherited and you're like, well, you clearly have a reason why you would say this will was manipulated, right? You have to prove a significant relationship. You have to prove they had opportunity. You have to prove that they benefited. I mean, there's- They had opportunity with the candlestick. Well, right. I mean, I think it's gotta be a hefty candlestick. Right, that's what I'm saying. But you've played Clue, right? Yes. All right. So you know how that it can happen. Yes. In the library. In fantasy land. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, awesome. Thanks for talking about probate and estate. Absolutely. Um, on the Lady Lawyer League podcast. It was awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today on the Lady Lawyer League podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Check out our show notes for links on how we can help you with estate planning and all about Tasha Haviken. Thank you for listening to the Lady Lawyer League podcast and be sure to like and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. If you would like to learn more about our firm, Hightower Ref Law, please visit our website at hrlawomaha.com. We'll see you next week.